Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Howdy, and welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is September 24th, 2018. We are in full swing bow season here in Wisconsin. I went out last weekend. It was glorious. Um, I didn't get a deer. I did see some action. For those of you that follow me on Instagram and Facebook um, or the Where to Hunt brand or whatever, I did have some things to say about that. And... Um, just a great time outdoors, took a canoe up a river, uh, got away from some other hunters, so to speak, and ended up bumping into one other hunter and then uh, another one who I didn't know where he was, but I heard his bow uh, release an arrow and thwack a deer that eventually came running right past me. So that was some of the action that I had this weekend out in the woods. Um, saw my buddy fall into a swamp marsh, <laughs> got a little turned around, had to climb a small tree. So just overall, a really great weekend outside. Um, but that being said, for this week, I brought on guest, um, big game ecologist of the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources, Kevin Wallenfang, who I've had on in the past. He's a wealth of knowledge and a great resource. Um, he's a hunter first, in, in my opinion, and um, also he's an employee of the Wisconsin DNR. And uh, I brought him on this week to just simply go over some of the, the deer forecasting for the 2018 season going into the 2019 season. Um, and then also to touch on some of the rules and regulations that are going to be changing and how that's going to impact us Wisconsinites as hunters. So um, not a lot of tactic on this one, just kind of an update. It's a pretty quick interview with Kevin. And um, I did do it differently to, to handle and fit our schedules. We're both pretty busy dudes. So I recorded this one for my iPhone. So forgive the quality on this one. It's not terrible, but it's just not as good as this mic that I'm talking on right now. That being said, the content is great. And there's some really useful tips at the end of this one with him um, in regard to some cool tools that you, you may not have known about that the, the DNR offers to help you plan your hunt. All right, cool. Well, I will go ahead and uh, bring Kevin on. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and welcome our guest of the week to the show today. I have with me Kevin Wallenfang. Kevin, is your, is your title still the big game wildlife ecologist for Wisconsin, or is it changed? Still him. Nope, that's me. <laughs> All right, good to go. Very cool. And uh, things are going well for you? Things are pretty good. We're uh, we're ready for fall to to start rolling here. There's uh, obviously the bow season's already over, but thank God it's fall, so things are good. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I actually got out this last weekend, and uh, it was just pristinely perfect fall weather. You know, for a hunt, the wind was in my favor. The leaves are you know starting to change ever so slightly, not much, still pretty green, but just beautiful. Just a beautiful time outside this weekend. It's changing up north. It's starting to get there, so the colors are starting to go. Is that where you're spending most of your time right now, or? 
Uh, no, but I'm looking forward to, to spending a bunch of time up there when the colors turn. I've got a, a place up north, and uh, the woodcock will start blowing in, and the grouse will be more visible and start out with a little grouse hunting. But I've uh, I've been out in a tree already as well. So, yeah, fall is underway, thank goodness, and uh, the best of it is yet to come. So looking forward to late October and, and November when the rut gets kicking into high gear. So the, the, the moose are on the move. Uh, wow. We've had a lot of reports of moose in the last couple of weeks, and the elk are bugling, so things are good in the big game department. That's super cool. Very exciting stuff. Man, that's awesome. I know um, I had meant to talk to you last year around this time, but um, about a year ago I had a baby girl, so that completely right. derailed and it took me a while to get my bearings back. And um, I know your schedule is busy. you got a hard stop um, after our call today in about, you know, 40 minutes or so. So, We'll just move things along pretty quickly and try to give the, the hunting community, the listeners, kind of a, a gauge of where things are at from the DNR's perspective and so far as forecasting and also some of the regulations that may or may not be changing. Sure. So as far as the forecasting goes, that people can plan their hunts for kind of into bow season, but very, very beginning of bow season. Um, how is that stacking up for this year based on some of last year's data? Well, from what I'm hearing and from my own uh uh, views in the field up to this point so far. If you're not seeing a whole lot of deer in this first week or so of the bow season, I wouldn't get too worried about it because I know in some areas it sounds like the mosquitoes actually uh, have the deer either not in the woods or, you know, I'm not quite sure what they're doing out there, but um, the mosquitoes down in my neck of the woods are horrendous and hopefully that will change with the cold weather here. But uh, have no fear. Um, there seems to be lots of deer out there. Our population estimates for the year are indicating uh, lots of deer on the landscape throughout most of the state. Um, we Let's start with the north, I guess. Um, okay. You know, that's always the biggest area in question. Um, we finally had a little bit of a return to winter this year, which we have not really had much of over the last few years. And uh, you recall back to 2013-14, we had the worst uh, winter severity readings that we've ever had in the state since we started uh, taking that uh, that survey uh, throughout the winter to try to, uh, you know, come up with a method that would give us a good indication as to how winter severity impacts deer numbers and, and reproduction and whatnot. So we uh, we had three very mild winters, and as a result of that, we saw deer numbers increase um, perhaps not to the level that people were used to, you know, 10, 15 years ago, which were extremely high in some areas and higher than we'd like to see them um, based on forest impacts and things like that. But, uh, you know, we had a couple of years ago, we had something like a 24 or 26% increase in the buck kill during the gun season. And we saw something similar that following year. And then last year we saw about a 14% increase. So wow. Okay. Your numbers in the north uh, have have bounced back, um, and we're happy to see that. And as a result of that, we have um, buck har I'm sorry, antlerless tags in every unit of the state this year, except in Iron County. So poor Iron County just always <laughs> seems to be the you know they get socked with that snow effect conditions of Lake Superior. They always seem to have deep snow, and as a result, you know their deer numbers, deer densities are are as low as they are any place in the state. So, um, But we are seeing increasing numbers in the north, and like I said earlier, I have a place in northern Wisconsin, and I always try to 
talk to the locals and see what they're seeing, and they're all telling me that, you know, they're seeing increased deer numbers this year. So looking forward to a, a good deer season and improved deer season in the northern part of the state. Um, like I said, there's doe tags out there in every county except iron. Um, so there'll be some antlerless opportunities, which I hope will bring some more people to the north. Um, you know, things have changed up there. And, you know, when people aren't seeing a deer, we all know that one of the things, especially during the gun season, that helps to see deer is people on the landscape pushing them around a bit. And, sure. And that's yep. been lacking. That's been lacking in the north. And so hopefully some of those doe tags on the landscape will bring some people back to the north. Um, we've also heard of a lack of uh, mature bucks in the northern part of the state. And I'm also hoping that the return of some doe tags uh, are going to save some bucks and, and allow some of them to get older. Um, we've heard from a lot of hunters the last few years that they haven't had a doe tag in so long that they're starting to shoot small bucks just so they can uh, enjoy some venison. So um, there's some benefits to having those doe tags out there, and it's nice to see the numbers are up and that uh, we can start doing some more of that. And that's based on, that all starts with the County Deer Advisory Councils, and they too are recognizing more deer on the landscape and some added opportunity out there through some doe harvest. So um, that's kind of the north in a nutshell. The farmland areas of the state, I never have a whole lot of concern from a, a deer numbers perspective. Um, we have antlerless tags in every county. Uh, we have free tags that are issued with your gun deer license in pretty much every county with a, one or two exceptions out there. Uh, but there are at least bonus tags out there that folks can, oh, I shouldn't say tags. We no longer have deer tags. It's called a harvest authorization. Now. Right, um, that's, that's I just download whatever it is and screenshot the stuff from yeah, the Yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah. That's a hard one for me to wrap my head around. I've been saying Same. deer tags for We all have. So, yeah. yeah. So anyways, um but uh we've got harvest authorizations. I'm going to keep saying tags. Available with your gun deer tag, your buck tag. And so, um, you know, opportunity out there as well. There's plenty of deer in a lot of units. You know, one of our uh, counties has the highest buck harvest density in North America. Um, that's so the, the so. buck harvest is important to, to look at because that's been the constant, right, as far as exactly. going back a couple of years ago with the some states or, or some counties have don't take some don't, et cetera. Right. Um, so looking at that, at least that way I get like a um, – kind of like a, a bottom end of where to look for that as far as consistency. Does that make sense? Am I right about buck, that? Buck harvest drives pretty much everything that we do because every hunter in the state has a tag that allows them to shoot a buck. So it's the one constant. Um, you know, when buck harvest is going up, it's an indication that the overall population is going up. And when buck harvest goes down, uh, it's usually an indication that the population is down. So uh, the doe tags out there, you know, I mean, if you have zero doe tags one year and you have a thousand of them the next year and you kill 300 deer, <laughs> your overall harvest went up 300%. That doesn't yeah. really tell you a whole lot. So, yeah, yeah, we focus on that buck kill, and we recommend that the hunters do exactly the same if they're out, you know, looking for a new place to hunt or looking for some indication as to what's going on in their county. That's the place to start. And that's how I did it um, with my dad. Um, gosh, I don't know close to 10 years ago, getting up to 10 years ago, seven, eight years ago, uh, we looked at the, the buck, you know, kill density population, or whatever you want to call it, like, wh how many buck were, bucks were tagged in this region, um, and then we based our scouting off of those numbers, and it worked out pretty well. We've done good the last seven, eight years. So. Yeah, and, you know, typically, 
it, it can be kind of tough because some of those areas that have those highest buck kills and highest buck kill densities um, are usually private properties. So it can be tough to get onto those spots, but if you poke around enough, there are you know public hunting grounds pretty much within every county of the state, and some of them get virtually untouched. People don't go out to them because they think that they're going to get the daylights kicked out of them, and they may get driven out during the gun season or something like that, but especially now, if you're a bow hunter, um, I mean, I've got several friends, and they're usually younger guys that are willing to really put the time in. They're super yeah. young bow for their bow hunting, and they are going out on those public lands, and they have trail camera pictures of some of the biggest bucks I've seen in quite a while. Uh, one of them came in here not too long ago. He had a picture of, I'll bet it was a 190-inch deer Wow! On, on public land in southern Wisconsin. So they don't get hunted as hard as you think, especially during the bow season. And even late in the week during the gun season, there's deer to be shot on public land, and they you know, they don't have to be a big, great big piece of property. There's opportunity out there. Sure, that makes sense. And then, I don't know if you know this, I mean, how much you know about the, the Where to Hunt podcast, but, um, you know, myself and the podcast itself are huge advocates of public land hunting, and right. I do everything I can to restore the, the, I don't know, the good name of public land hunting from how I experienced it growing up and make sure that you know, people don't bash it and people appreciate it and respect it. So that's really great to hear, you know, that's, that's really a yeah, and you know, Wisconsin has over 7 million acres of, of land that's open for public use, whether that's state, federal, county, industrial forest that's enrolled in the managed forest land uh, program. There's all kinds of land out there, and you know, you start doing the math, you know, for every guy that doesn't hunt on private land, there's probably at least 100 acres of public land that he can have to himself. Um, if you're willing to get off the road a bit, you know, our Wisconsin deer hunters, you've probably seen the studies of hunting out west and ATV use and things like that. Um, you start getting off those roads a little bit and, the, you know, the deer densities or the elk densities or whatever you want to look at for whatever state are going to go up and your likelihood of running into animals is going to increase with it. So it really comes down to a matter of what kind of kind of condition are you in what kind of an experience are you looking for and how hard you're willing to work for it to find it but it's out there and you just need to you know put in your time i hunt public lands in northern wisconsin um and i'll tell you what we run all day long without running into another hunter on some of those big state and, and federal oh yeah i bet yeah, it's, it's pretty great up there. pretty yeah. fast up there for sure i actually um you know I, i'm a big believer in adventure and you know i like the the, the memories and the impressions that come out of exploring a new property and things of that nature. And uh, a buddy of mine and I explored the property this past week, and we did it by way of canoe. And, um, you know, there were only two of the hunters on this property that we hunted. And some might complain about that, but the positive to that is how we're going to just the, you know, regular parking lot and into the woods that are right there. There are way more than two hunters, right? So it's just um, trying to do something a little more creatively to, to get away from some other hunters. Yep. Yep. We get to some more hey, here, but just so you know, you were kind of cutting out a little bit oh. there. You might want to need to cut some segments out of this or something, <laughs> but uh, you were you were gargling up there a bit. Thanks for the heads up. Yeah, it's, uh, that was what I do for my phone, I suppose. But I was just saying, the adventure side of hunting is um, you know something that I that I love very near and dear to my heart, and I'm trying to get creative about hunting is uh, is a lot of fun. Yep, it's good to get out there and explore some new country. Um, you know, I hunted down here. 
in the southern part of the state, and I still do, but I, I focused all of my hunting down here for a long time, and I shot some great bucks. I mean, I shot several in the 130s to one, you know, pushing 160 kind of class, but going to northern Wisconsin and hunting that big woods, my standards uh, of, to me, what a great buck is have, uh, from an antler point, you know, size have gone down, but, um, you know, the the adventure of hunting in big north woods, and learning new techniques, hunting a completely different way than you ever hunted down here in the south is super fulfilling to me, and I judge my own success and, you know, the satisfaction of my hunts completely different now than I ever did in the past. That's cool. That's super cool. Well, but, so talking about geographic location, um, you know, you're talking about hunting up north, and where I hunt is on the western part of the state, and then also just in the southeastern part of the state also. Um, but that being said, there's been some chatter about some things coming down the pipeline about some of the regulations changing um, as far as how you transport your deer that may have come from a CWD affected county. Right. Is there is there any new update there that we should be concerned with or pay attention to? Well, hunters should really be paying attention right now because uh, the biggest thing right now is that we're not sure that the rule is actually going to be put into play. Um, so there were some regulations to continue to address the chronic wasting disease in Wisconsin. Um, there were some new laws that were adopted uh, as, a, as an initiative from the governor's office, and they were approved by the Natural Resources Board that would change how you are able to transport your deer. Um, before I get into what those are, I just want to say that um, there's a legislative hearing uh, on October 1st, and ironically, that new rule is supposed to go into effect on October 1st. Um, so there's a chance that the rule could actually go into effect and a day later or so be pulled from the books. So it's uh, it's a confusing time a little bit. It's a little <laughs> bit frustrating from a hunter standpoint, um, and it depends on where you hunt and how you process your deer or who processes your deer, uh, whether you're going to actually be affected by this. And you know, I'd start out by saying if the rule does go into effect, um, I'm affected by this as well. I rarely hunt in my home county. I live in Dane County. Um, I rarely hunt in Dane County. So even just hopping across the county line in the, in the Sauk County is going to impact my hunting, uh, and especially when I go up to the northern part of the state. So, you know, if you're somebody that hunts in a western state, um, you're going to be fairly well prepared for this because there's some, some – uh, meat processing and quartering requirements that will kick in if you process your own deer. Now, if you're a guy uh, or, or a woman that uh, has always taken your game to somebody to have processed for you, it's probably yep. not going to affect you because what the new re rule will require is that if you want to leave the county, it's an, in a, that's a CWD-affected county, so you need to look at a good map and uh, on the department website, and you can see what is a CWD-affected county. Um, but if you want to leave that county with a deer that you've shot and take it home whole, that means you're going to have to take it to a processor within 72 hours of leaving, leaving the county. So you're going to have to go, uh, and if there's a taxidermist involved, you can do that as well. Uh, but what we're trying to do here is ensure that your carcass is properly disposed of, not just thrown out on the landscape, because as we've all heard, um, new research is indicating that uh, there's a variety of ways that um, that CWD can be transferred from one animal to the next, 
And one of those is the risk of throwing a CWD-positive carcass out on the landscape where it can get picked up, scattered, picked up by the soil. Um, th those prions can live in the soil for nobody knows exactly how many years yet. Um, so for a very long time from what I've yeah, read, and, and there's yeah. not like a good way to kill them off or anything either. Right, and so this all has to do with risk management. And yep. so, so what's the likelihood that you brought a deer carcass from a CWD-affected county, threw it out on the landscape, and another deer actually got uh, picked up the disease from it? We don't really know what it, – it's a very small Trying to control risk. what we can, though, I guess. Huh? Right. It's a small risk, but the risk is not zero. And we're trying to do everything that we can to reduce that risk as far as we can. So we want people to, to dispose of that animal properly. So what I'm getting at here is if you want to bring that animal home uh, in one big piece, you can do that, but there are requirements that you have to take it to a meat processor after that. So for those of us that like to process our own deer – um, what you're going to need to do is before you bring it across county lines is you're going to need to break that animal down. You call it quartering if you like, and these new uh, regulations allow you to cut that animal up into as many pieces as it takes to get it home. Um, mm -hmm. But the key is that you need to leave that spinal column uh, behind so that the, the most risky part of that animal stays out in the field. You can uh, leave it in the field if you quarter it in the field. Um, or you can uh, bring it out and dispose of it in a dumpster so that it ends up in a, an approved landfill. Um, but we don't want you transporting that worst part of the carcass, and that's really the spinal column and the head. However, you can bring the head back with you if you take that head to get it tested for CWD. And again, there's a 72-hour rule involved. Um, testing is free. We would like people to get their animal tested, whether they feel that CWD is a risk to their personal health or not. Now, um, the health agencies out there recommend that if your deer does test positive for CWD that you not eat it, um, but it's your choice. It's completely up to you, but even if you don't think that there's a problem with consuming that animal, um, we would like to have that animal tested so that at least you know if you're throwing a carcass out on the landscape that it's a potential risk uh, to the overall deer population. We want you to take that into consideration, do what is best for the overall population in your area, because there's no question that CWD, it has affected hunting in Wisconsin. There's no question about that. We've had people drop out of hunting. Certainly, it's affecting the rules, which affect all of us. Um, yep. So it's having an impact, and we want you to be aware of that. We want you to do what good hunters and conservationists do, is take into consideration the risk and the impacts that uh, that your actions have on the deer population. Um, do what is best out there. Do what's best for the future of hunting. We want you to get that animal tested. Uh, testing is still free. It's fairly quick turnaround time, so, uh, you know, certainly within less than a couple of weeks. Um, oftentimes within a few days you can get the results of that thing back. And, uh, um, you know, know what you're, you're feeding your family. Know what you're putting into your freezer. It's free. We're trying to make it more convenient than ever before. There's going to be uh, more and more drop-off kiosks out there where you just it's like going to the night deposit at the bank. I mean, you cut the head off, you put it in a bag, you fill out some paperwork, and boom, you're on your way. And sure. within, you know, within a week or so, you're going to have the results of that animal back. So convenience is certainly a big part of this, and we're trying to make it more convenient than ever before to get your animal tested. Boy, that was long-winded. I apologize. No, that's good. I mean, I want, I want the information. Is there anywhere that um, 
you know, I'm sure there's going to be some information available at the DNR website. Um, you know, yeah, if I'm well, trying to seek that out, I imagine come October 1st and, and shortly thereafter, some of that stuff's going to be made pretty loud or prominent on the DNR website. One would hope, or maybe there'll be some yeah. communication coming out via email, things like that. Yep. Actually, a lot of it is already on there. We've already been planning for this and trying to get the new rules out there. We've actually updated the hunting regulations to reflect the new rules. Um, but, of course, we may be reversing that whole thing here. So we're trying to get people <laughs> yeah. lead into it. You know, whether the regulation right now on the website is accurate or not, people are tuning in that this is changing. Uh, I think a lot of people are aware of that October 1 deadline. And there's going to be press releases and Facebook posts and, you know, just a ton of stuff that goes out there because certainly we want to make sure that uh, that hunters are aware of what's going on. And what's yeah, and I think there's a lot of law-abiding hunters, right, that we want to make sure we get it right as hunters because I don't, want to, I don't want to get in trouble for anything. I don't want to cause a problem, right? Like a lot of us are concerned from that perspective. Obviously, there's others that are concerned because they just like to whine and make noise or whatever, but um, – Good to know that the information is readily available that you guys have been preparing for. Obviously, yeah, and the wardens, you know, the wardens are anytime there's any kind of a regulation change. This isn't unique from a warden standpoint. They're going to try to use this first year of that rule being in place, if it is in place, to educate people, get people informed. Um, you know, and there are other rules uh, that uh, are going to affect people out there this year as well, and the wardens are going to treat those the same way. Use it as an opportunity to inform people. You know, they're not ticket-happy folks out there. They want people to be informed. Uh, they want to do their very best to, to get people up to snuff on the regulations, and they're going to be as lenient as they possibly can. If there's a clear violation out there and somebody blatantly broke the rule, they're going to address that. But uh, yep. for the most part, they're going to use this as an educational opportunity. Yeah, by and large, it seems like, obviously, the DNR's goal is to keep people in hunting, attract more people to hunting. So if they're out there, like you said, handing out tickets for the sake of doing that, it's not going to do that any good. So Absolutely. obviously, you know, the DNR seems to be making great strides and efforts to informing people and educating them, which is awesome. Which is why I want to talk to you, obviously, because you've been on the show before. And I know that the DNR has their own podcast now, and, and you guys are doing a lot of social media. Um, you know, so any, any any other facets we can get the word out there to help inform people, um, that's kind of why I want to bring you on today. Yep, and we, we certainly appreciate it. You know, we are all deer hunters ourselves, and at times we uh, get accused of, you know, you've heard it all. You've heard all of yeah. the, yep. the, the street rumors that the DNR wants to wipe out the deer population. Uh, you've probably heard rumors like the DNR introduced CWD to eliminate the deer and uh, <laughs> the insurance companies are behind it, and they want all the, the deer gone. That is all such a bunch of baloney. And, you know, we're all deer hunters. We we got into this profession because we love to deer hunt first and foremost. And, uh, you know, all we want to do is have the healthiest and best managed population that we can possibly have out there that provides great hunting opportunity. And we do have a great, you know, I, I think Wisconsin is arguably one of the greatest deer hunting states in the country. It screams big deer. Um, it screams opportunity. Uh, lots of places to hunt, lots of public land, lots of opportunity, even on private property, and we certainly want that to continue. This is this is my life. This is what I love. I think about deer hunting every single day of the year, and I know that a lot of your listeners are the same. And, you know, I hope that uh, you do have people out there that appreciate that. We love to deer hunt ourselves, and we just want to have the, 
the very best that we can out there. Um, you know, even I will, will, you know, I step back and I look at this stuff from not from an administrative standpoint or from a rule mm-hmm. standpoint, but when I'm thinking about this stuff, I'm thinking about how is this going to affect me as a deer hunter first and foremost? How is this going to affect our hunters and their ability to manage deer population, their ability to enjoy the hunting season and, and provide them with opportunities? So, uh, we do look at it from that standpoint uh, whenever possible, and I shouldn't even say whenever possible. First and foremost, that's how I look at you it. You almost can't even help it. I mean, you got that's just like the perspective you have. Well, what's this going to do to me, right? Like everything is – people talk about politics. I'm not going to get anything like that. But it's always from a personal perspective and a selfish one, not to say that's bad things first because that's just how our minds, our, how our minds work. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's good to know that you're advocating for both sides, and you're, you know you're you're making sure that you're taking care of one, you know, before you do the other. There's certainly a balance, and yeah. you know, if, if we lose our hunters out there, we have lost our greatest ability to manage that population. Um, I certainly know that hunters don't like to be called a tool, um, but hunters are a key component to managing deer populations. If they're not going to do it, who's going to do it? I mean, right. if you need deer numbers to go up, you've got to rely on your hunters to back off a little bit on what they shoot. And if you want their, the numbers to go down, you got to rely on your hunters to, to get out there and shoot them for you. So that's the way it works in Wisconsin. Well, this year seems to be a great a great year based on some of the things you mentioned at the beginning of the call. And, um, you know, we're whatever, about a week in, a little over a week into it, and you know, I, I pay attention to uh, there's a lot of different social media feeds out there, the rut reports that exist and all the different groups and channels of all the different, you know, hunting populations that that live out on social media and, and you can start to see coming through already. You know, it seems like there are people having some success and fun. And, um, you know, I, deer hunting to me is more about fun than any of that other stuff. Uh, it's about the experience of just getting out there and enjoying our, our land that we have. And that is so. a real key a key message that I would like people to keep in mind, you know, there's a, the media does enough of a job of turning um, a negative eye to the whole chronic wasting disease situation or whatever they can find. Um, but I would just urge hunters out there, you know, this is a, any kind of new rule change, anything with chronic wasting disease, you know, it might require a little more planning on your part, but don't let that garbage affect your fun of going deer hunting. I mean, they're trying, and um, and in some cases they are succeeding. Uh, and some of these rule changes make it more challenging to be a hunter these days. But don't let that stuff affect your ability to go out and have fun. You know, venison is still the greatest eating meat on the planet. Um, don't let chronic wasting disease affect your enjoyment of, of uh, having that nice venison roast or whatever it is. Get your deer tested. If it's something that you're concerned about, get your deer tested. We're making that free and available as much as we possibly can. Um, you know, like I said, you might have to go through a few extra steps, but don't let this destroy Well, it's interesting, though, hunting. if I think back to when I started hunting as a kid, there's always been rules and regulation changes. Every year, if I recall, like there used to be, I remember when the, my dad's like, hey, you can't put your gun on the truck. you got to lean on a tree. That was a new rule back then, right? And you just adjust. Yep. It's just acclimation like anything else in life. Things are changing, and they're always going to be in every facet of life. And I so if it's not changing, it might not be improving. You know, it's just how it goes. Yeah, I, I've always 
hoped that, that one of these years we would finally have a year where there was no rule changes, and <laughs> we almost did it last year. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know that that will ever even happen. And, you know, some of those other rule changes that I do want to make sure your hunters out there that are listening um, are aware of is there's been some changes to some of the deer management unit boundaries. Um, so we certainly want to make sure that folks are aware of that when they're registering their deer um, obviously, registration is still mandatory, so please do that. It's easy, it's fast, and you know, hopefully everybody out there listening has uh, registered at least one deer here in the last couple of years. Um, but on the positive side, too, rule changes aren't always a negative for our hunters out there. And those right. boundary changes are, are for really good reason, and they're going to provide more hunting opportunity. Um, there are some new metro deer management units this year that will provide hunting into the end of January. Um, so if you really love your deer hunting, that opportunity is there. We've got about a dozen deer management units that have an extended archery season this year that you can hunt till the end of January. Some people see that as a good thing. Uh, others, maybe not. But overall, it's providing hunting opportunity. Um, and uh, there's, uh, there's about a dozen of them. They're in the southern part of the state, and these are all in counties that have high deer populations, and it's an opportunity and an, an attempt by the local county deer advisory councils to reduce uh, deer numbers in some of those areas. So there's opportunity out there that we are hoping that people will will uh, tune into and take advantage of that opportunity to bow hunt through the end of January now. That's pretty cool. And and the DNR, if I'm not mistaken, you guys just launched a new app also, like a like a like a, a smartphone is. app, right? Yeah, it's called Go Hunt. Well, let's see, Go Wild Wisconsin or Hunt Wild Wisconsin. I'm sorry. Hunt Wild, yep. Somebody that's, that's yep. really in tune to that program is going to be mad at me because I just screwed it up. But, yes, Hunt <laughs> Wild Wisconsin, and uh, there's all kinds of information out there. You know, hopefully it's going to be a really useful app for folks, and uh, they can find all kinds of stuff on there, not just deer hunting information, but uh, all the programs, all the species. And, yeah, check it out. It's uh, I believe it's a free app, and yep. um, they're pretty excited about it. So, unfortunately, I'm not a techie dude. I'm not a big app guy. Um, I only use my phone pretty much to make phone calls. So um, I'm not the greatest spokesperson on, on the app type of stuff, but it's out there um, and should be very useful. And another thing, as you, were, you alluded to earlier, the podcast and that kind of thing, um, but we are in our second year of – Wild Wisconsin, which is our uh, YouTube-based, basically a television show. Cool. And uh, there's a variety of, of topics on there, from hunting on public land to managing your property to how to gut a deer and all kinds of things. So um, even even cooking recipes and things like that. So it's good stuff. It's a lot of information. There's, uh, you know, we touched on CWD here today, and there's more information about chronic wasting disease. Um, if you're interested, uh, they just did a really cool uh, Facebook Live the other day. I thought it was very interesting because, frankly, I learned a lot on it. It was actually how they go about testing your animal uh, for CWD once the samples actually get to our national health lab where, hmm. uh, you know, they run like 60,000 CWD tests through there uh, a year for not only Wisconsin but other states too. So, yeah, you can learn a lot uh, right there from Wild Wisconsin and those podcasts and all kinds of great information out there. Super cool. Well, I know you're press for time. We'll get you. We'll get you on your way so you don't miss your next thing. But um, on the on the biology side of things, that's kind of that is where you shine. Um, now, I happen to hear a couple tidbits on, on the podcast that the DNR actually had. I, I took some time to listen to that before talking to you today, and 
Um, are there any other tools or things that you use when you're out in the field or things that you use to e-scout or, or whatever, any just tidbit you want to leave people with, especially um, through the lens of public land hunting? Well, you know, we have uh, created something a, a few years ago. It's called our deer metric system. And a lot of the data that we collect um, for deer management in Wisconsin from, you know, fawn doe uh, information ratios, um, aging information, obviously all the harvest type of stuff. But we have compiled all of that into what we call our deer metric system. And if, you know, especially if somebody is looking for a new place to hunt or looking for a new county, you know, they're kind of starting from that 10,000-foot level and trying to hone in on on uh, where they can spend their time hunting, um, they can look at that deer metric system and it'll show them all kinds of trends about deer densities, about hunter harvest um, for, you know, archery harvest, gun harvest, you name it, you can break that stuff down in a million different ways on this deer metric system. And if they just go to the department website and in the keyword box they punch in deer metrics, they will uh, get to this information specific to each county of the state. Um, some of it's broken down regionally, but they can find a ton of information there. If they're looking for a new place to hunt, I would start there and start breaking it, you know, maybe honing in on a specific county to start with. Sure, and then and slice up the data how you see fit. Yeah, and down. then yeah. from there you can also go to the rest of the department website, punch in uh, public hunting or uh, land access or, you know, look at it from a variety of perspectives and you can find maps and locations and all kinds of stuff uh, specific to public hunting grounds in the state of Wisconsin. You might be able to find uh, private lands that are open for public hunting either through the Voluntary Public Access Program or the Managed Forest Program. Um, so you can find ways to access those properties. You may find properties that are enrolled in the Agricultural Damage Program and people that are actually looking for help to get rid of deer. These are all great resources that the department has spent a lot of time and energy and money over the last several years pulling together on behalf of our hunters to find new ways to get out there and enjoy not only deer hunting, but turkey hunting, pheasant hunting, whatever it might be, um, you know, waterfall production areas, dove fields that are planted to, to provide access uh, and opportunity for people to get out there and enjoy a variety of different hunting. So I would encourage people, if they're looking for a new place to hunt or even just curious as to what's going on in their own county, tap into that deer metric system, and uh, it's going to open a ton of windows for you, a ton of uh, information and opportunity to find new places to hunt and enjoy the outdoors. Super cool. Yeah. Super cool. Good well, stuff. thanks for your time today, Kevin. I really appreciate it, as does the audience, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, we'll share this link with you once this show is published. If you, if you want to put it out there, by all means. If not, no big deal either way. But I'll send it to you whether you like it or not. And, um, you know, I hope you have a great season this year, too, and especially hunting the big woods up north. That's pretty exciting stuff. Yep, and you, too. And I, you know, wish everybody out there a great season. You're going to, you know, like anything, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And we have great opportunity here in Wisconsin. And, it's a pleasure and a privilege for me to manage it and, and to be involved on this end of it. And I had always encourage, you know, you, you have listeners out there that have questions. They're welcome. We are very accessible. We're probably the most accessible professional wildlife managers in the nation. Um, and, we, you know, we talk to hunters every single day, and a lot of states just do not do that. So Yeah. Well, it wasn't uh, too difficult to get to you on this show. So, I mean, yeah. like, if I can do it, <laughs> and this is essentially, you know, a phone call that's recorded by 
by all technical standards. So I'm sure others can reach out too. You know, it's yep, great that you guys are accessible anytime. So good luck cool. to them all. I hope they have a great deer season and and uh, enjoy Wisconsin. Great. Well, thanks so much. Have a have a good night. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. Yep. Bye. Okay, so there's a tip in there towards the end, and if you didn't catch it, the tip of this week is if you just go to Google and you search WI DNR deer metrics, that site that Kevin was talking about will pop up, and it's a site, it's like a, a subdomain site off the DNR's website, so then it ends up being like dnr.wi.gov slash and then all this stuff. It's just easier to just Google it, I think. Um, but when you get here, you can look at um, deer harvest population, harvest statistics and trends, population statistics and trends, um, insurance and success. So like, this will be interesting for various people for various reasons. Depends on how nerdy you wanna get with this. And there's probably some people that are far smarter than I am that can do some really neat things with this data to light it up. I know there are free tools out there to visualize data. Uh, Microsoft Power BI is one that I've had some small experience with. Tableau is another one. I don't think that one's free and there's plenty of others, but I don't know that you're able to export any of this stuff, but you can see it. And um, one of the things that was interesting to me was like some of the harvest trends, if you're trying to plan where you're gonna go, if you haven't been seeing deer, if that's something that you've noticed, but also like deer impacts is another one that shows up here. So there's, let me just break down the categories. I'll slow my roll here. I've had some coffee tonight from uh, Backwoods Grind Coffee Company. I'm buying their stuff now and uh, it's delicious. So I'm all jacked up. So forgive me if I'm talking fast, but I got a lot, a lot to do tonight, including publishing this episode. Okay. Deer harvest and population trends, deer health, deer impacts, and hunter dynamics. So those are the that one, two, three, four variables, and then you can slice up data different ways within those categories. For example, deer impacts. I could look at the agriculture, agriculture, I'm having a hard time saying that word, damage. Um, and I think what I could discern from something like that, if you look at the county that you hunt and maybe the surrounding counties, you could potentially get an idea of how badly are those crops being damaged to get an indication of, well, if they're, if they're getting really damaged, that might mean that there's a higher deer population there. And if you compare that against the deer harvest and population trends, you might be able to start to see some things here to really kind of understand maybe where the deer are and or what they're doing in the area that you actually hunt. You can look at deer vehicle collision reports um, and data same thing, you can do it by county. So the county that I hunt happens to be going up, 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 up. That tells me something, right? So, and that's funny because that was a tip that I had, I don't know when it was, a couple of years ago or a year ago when I said, pay attention to the, the number of dead deer on the road. That'll tell you when the rut is based on the deer movement, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out it can tell you some other things about, you know, how populated an area is with deer. So the more populous the, the area of deer, well, the more chances you might have of seeing one. So, and you can print these reports. So, and, okay, I'm just kind of putzing around on the website here. So you can create your own reports based on some of these things. So potentially a very powerful tool if you can get into it. And I, I'm not able to dive super deep. I can make some really basic inferences. But if you know someone that's a statistician or something like that, 
Are there some sort of person that's really nerdy with numbers or who studied in statistics or economics in college? Um, you might be able to get some inf interesting information from them. But in any event, you can get the total harvest date or total harvest number of antlered and antlerless deer. And then from what I'm looking at right now, I just selected the county that I hunt for, for gun. And it's telling me by year, all the way back to 2008 and up to 2017, the number of antlered and antlerless deer harvested. I can see it for a gun, for a bow, for a crossbow. Um, I can see the tribal. I don't know what that even means, to be honest. Youth antlerless. Um, and it gives you like a bar graph. This is crazy. This is super cool. Um, man. So anyway... I'll, I'll stop digging into this as I'm doing this podcast episode, but this just, this, this just goes to show how powerful this can be. And I'm assuming there's a number of hunters that already knew of this tool and or use it. If you do, great, cool. Um, not trying to patronize anybody, but for those of us that don't, um, I certainly have maybe come across this stuff before, but it's always very happenstance. This is a more targeted approach to the county that you hunt or the counties around where you hunt to try to learn some more, some new things about the area that you are hunting. So um, I digress. Thanks for tuning in. Um, if you found this episode valuable or, you know, there's some good information here, I do appreciate the feedback and the ratings on iTunes specifically. Um, so if you don't have an iPhone, I guess you probably can't do that. There's some other places you could rate me, maybe on um, Stitcher or something to that effect. But in any event, good luck this weekend coming up. I know we have another temperature drop coming, so that should be awesome. And, uh, you know, good luck. Hunt public. <laughs>